Tuesday, March 21st, 2017 here on the Patriots Beat Podcast. This week, we welcome in my buddy Jack Ross to do a full NFL offseason wrap-up. And later, we welcome in Chad Finn, the Globe's media correspondent, to help us break down the Malcolm Butler situation and whether or not he thinks it sets a good precedent for the future of Patriots free agency. All that and more on this episode of the Patriots Beat Podcast. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Patriots Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Harris Rubenstein. It is Tuesday, March 21st. Please go find us on Twitter at CLNS Radio and on Facebook at Facebook.com. Slash CLNS fans, very happy to be back with you guys. It's a pretty pretty boring weekend around the NFL, if I do say so uh, myself. The NFL free agency has cooled down. Most of the big names have been signed. Uh, the Patriots obviously have made their moves. But today, we are not only going to be focusing on the Patriots, we are going to be focusing on the NFL as a whole. And to help me do this... I welcome in my former co-host of Thursday Night Lights, my roommate, and a very highly knowledgeable Giants fan. Some might say an insider. An insider to the (laughs) Giants, Jack Ross. Ah, Thanks for having me, Harris. I'm glad to be here. Very happy. Dying to talk NFL, man. It's it's obviously World Baseball Classic time. It's spring training time, March Madness. But we're going to break down the NFL free agency. And all something, the good news that's been going something on. Something that no one else has done. No one. And definitely that never on a podcast <laughs> or radio before. No one, it, no Uncharted one, waters for us. <laughs> it is March. No one has ever talked football during March before. But we're going to do it. And it's not even not even draft talk this time. Yeah, while everyone is preoccupied with basketball, we're going to sneak in and get the football talk in. It, it's great. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. So, Jack, we I, I, I've talked multiple times uh, on this podcast about what my favorite free agent signings are. You know, obviously, I loved the the Stefan Gilmore move, obviously it depends a lot on what happens with the Malcolm Butler situation. Um, but at the same time, the rest of the NFL has made some pretty high quality moves. Now, outside of your Giants signing Brandon Marshall and which is a great move. Red Ellison, who you apparently think is like the greatest thing no, since no, no, sliced no. bread. I, I, we could talk about Red Allison later We're if you'd like not to. Gonna talk about Harris, it is it is an underrated signing is what I will say. What is your favorite signing so far of the NFL offseason? Um, Which one do you point at and you're like, wow, that one is going to alter this team? A couple of moves I really liked because there hasn't been one so far that I've been like, wow, this is the best move ever. Um, I really did like the Vikings signing of Riley Reef. Mm-hmm. I thought Riley Reef was a great player with the Lions. Uh, I thought... Obviously, we saw the Vikings had limited success with Matt Khalil. That experiment really did, didn't pan out the way they wanted it to. Limited. Uh, and Riley Reef was among the best tackles in the NFL last season. So I think bringing him in uh, in a pretty fair deal is, uh, is going to be really good for them. Obviously, they lose Adrian Peterson this season. 
so they're going to need some help in the run game. And bringing in a, a veteran with a couple of really good, talented years under his belt uh, on a team-friendly deal, obviously with the O-linemen now demanding these certain size contracts, uh, calling it friendly is tough, but it definitely doesn't hurt the franchise. And I think that was one of the more underrated moves. Another one I really liked in... As a Giants fan, this one hurts me to say, but I do like what the Eagles did, bringing in two really talented wide yes. receivers in Torrey Smith and uh, Alshon Jeffrey. And, I mean, to be fair— Alshon Jeffries. Uh, Jeff Jeffries. <laughs> of course. John Gruden. Um, to be fair, for the Eagles, literally any other wide receiver would have been an upgrade over the Pop Warner team they threw out there last year. <laughs> I mean, those guys couldn't catch a cold yeah, in, the middle of the, in the middle of the winter. Which it, is ironic, seeing as they have Jerry Rice's nephew— yeah. Which I always found ironic. Um, but this now gets Nelson Aguilar further and further away from ever coming near a football again, considering <laughs> that guy has got hands made of rubber. Uh, but, you know, Alshon Jeffrey coming in on a one-year deal. He says he wants to play with Carson Wentz. We'll see how that grouping works out. As we know, he's one of the better wide receivers in the NFL when he's healthy. Uh, and then bringing in Torrey Smith, a guy with some serious vertical threat. Obviously, he's getting up there in age. Uh, he's been around the block for a while. Guys have kind of figured out his strategy. He's just going to beat you one way with his speed. But that's always a useful thing for the, the Eagles to have, and especially it gives them a little more depth at the wide receiver position. So both of those moves are ones I really enjoyed. Uh, I think both of those teams are going to be better than they were the season before. I don't think either of them will be serious contenders, obviously with the Vikings' issues of quarterback and running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it helps to set up a rebuild in the coming years. And you know, the, another thing that I really like about both those signings is that you know, Alshon Jeffrey on a one-year deal – Torrey Smith on a three-year yeah, deal. Yeah, those are they're smart moves. They're smart. They're small moves. Like, let's say that Alshon Jeffrey has an amazing season, wants more money. All right, he's 26 years old. I believe he'll be 27 at the end of this deal. So you give him yes. like a like a four-year deal. Bring him till he's 30. You throw like 50 mil at him with like 27 mil yeah. guaranteed, and boom, you have one of the best wide receivers in football to grow with Carson Wentz. You still have Torrey Smith for the next two years. Jordan Matthews, in my opinion. Not a great outside receiver. I think Jordan Matthews is going to make a stellar slot receiver. I think that's perfect for him. He's still a good route runner. He's still as good as Yeah, the issue with him last season was there was way too much pressure on him to be the number one guy. And after coming off of a good rookie year where he wasn't the number one guy... He now has to come out, and all of a sudden he's looked at as, well, you have to be the primary receiving threat for this, receiving threat for this team, and he just wasn't ready to take on yeah. that position. And he just, and he's, he's good, but he's not like, you know, he, he's no Michael Thomas on the Saints. <laughs> no, <laughs> we just no. had a, a big discussion about it as well. But uh, another question for you, Mr. Ross. Yes. What team do you think improved the most so far this offseason? Because I have a very interesting Ooh. I have a very interesting uh, team to select for you. Uh, if, I, if I'm going to be totally honest, uh, I mean, I want to say it's the Giants, but I think the Browns did a really good job of bringing in some key free agent moves. Obviously, we know uh, Kevin Zeitler, free agent coming from the Bengals, one of the best guards in the NFL, mm-hmm. demanded a huge contract. They just gave Batonio that huge deal as well, their other guard. Yep, bringing in the Browns. I mean, mm-hmm. bringing in the Browns. Bringing in Jamie Collins again. He was already uh-huh. there this past season. Uh, getting him to come back on a, obviously the deal is expensive, um, but you know he's the kind of guy that they had so much cap room they can afford to pay. They lose Terrell Pryor, which is you know not exactly what you want to happen to who was your best offensive threat last season. Um, but they bring in a couple of really good offensive linemen. They don't get any worse. They, I don't know, they they get Kenny Britt, who now can kind of fill that Terrell Pryor role. He's a guy that he said he really wants to go play in Cleveland, which is good. Which is awesome. He's somebody that in the past has shown so many flashes. I mean, I feel like every year people talk about Kenny Britt as a potential breakout candidate. Yeah. And he's just never been able to take that next step. 
Uh, but he's a guy that I think could really thrive in their system. Uh, and another team that I think has gotten a lot better, but he's another one of those teams that people have slept on for the past couple of years because they just can't get anything going at the right time is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, and that's a team that I really want to do well because I love, their love, love should be, Coughlin. Their defense should be insane. Oh. In theory, it should be insane next season. Absolutely. Calais Campbell and A.J. Bouye, like, they, they pulled the Giants and they went out and signed two of the best defensive players in football. Yeah. Uh, last season. They lose Prince of Mukamara, who was immediately replaced oh, by Bouye. Oh, darn. The guy wasn't that great. They bring in Barry Church, who was probably a top five safety he on the was market really this year. year. Wasn't one of the best in the NFL, but he's good. Uh, and then they just they didn't lose anybody. They're nobody significant from their team that played significant minutes on the defense. They got to bring back um, some Derek Marks, uh, as, as well as some other guys on that defense. Uh, but they the issue for me is still the Blake Bortles experiment hasn't worked out 100%. They've got some pretty good deep offensive weapons. Mm-hmm. Need to get a running game going. Need to solidify that offensive line. Hopefully Tom Coughlin comes in as the GM. Obviously we see he's made these defensive first moves. Can figure out something in the draft to get them a little better. But I don't know if that was the team you were thinking of as a team that's improved Actually, the most. You're gonna, they you're, have, uh, they've definitely gotten a lot better. You're going to be a little bit surprised by my pick for most improved team. My pick for most improved team, I, I pick the Buffalo Bills. So wow. I, I say this because they're, I give great respect to franchises who go about their business quietly. This whole offseason, the Bills have been very quiet in making their moves. They've made a lot of really good moves, but they've been quiet about it. So they bring in Sean McDermott from Carolina. They get rid of Rex Ryan. They get rid of Marquise Goodwin, who is another one of their guys. They sign Patrick DeMarco. They make sure that Tyrod Taylor is still the quarterback of this team. They reinforce their feeling, uh, their their feelings guys. towards Sammy Watkins. They bring back um, Lorenzo Alexander, like you said. I also think they brought back another really good guy. Right? They brought in Mike Tolbert as well. They signed Marcus Easley, who's oh, excuse me, they released Marcus Easley, who's taking up a lot of money off of them. But I also I can't stress how big of a signing. Patrick DeMarco is going to be for this team. Patrick DeMarco, in my opinion, is the best fullback in football and brings a really important piece to their team that they didn't have last year. So last year, they obviously had a decent fullback. However, what Patrick DeMarco is going to bring to this team, along with Jerome Felton, they're going to run a two-fullback system with LaShawn McCoy behind them with Tyra Taylor up front. Sean McDermott's going to come in to lock this defense down. And this Buffalo Bills team is going to be a force to be reckoned with next year. They have a really good defense. Their offense should be pretty good next year. I think they need to draft another offensive lineman, preferably on the right side, because I don't like Juan Gio, and I don't like – who's their right guard? I don't like – um, I forget what his name is. What's that guy's name? John, John Miller. Miller. John Miller. Don't like him either. However, I love Richie Incognito. Cordy Glenn has turned into one of the best weapons in football. I love the rest of the guys they have around with Watkins, Charles Clay – they need to draft one more weapon yeah, on offense. For the thing for me, and this is the reason why I think the Bills aren't won't be able to compete enough for the division this year. Um, oh I, no, they won't win the division. It, this no, year. no, I just I mean yeah. obviously the Patriots in the way, but they won't be able to even compete. Like I think with, I think the Dolphins are better than they are. We'll see. They they don't. Sammy Watkins has not shown that he can be the guy. Mm-hmm. He right now is, in my opinion, a number two wide receiver at wow. best. Wow, I disagree. When he's when he's healthy, though, he's so good, and he and, just has to stay healthy. And Andre Holmes is, should not be a number two wide receiver no. on a national football team. Neither should Corey Brown be a number two guy. Sure, Billy <laughs> Brown. Um, 
But those are two guys like that. This is almost Eagles level of bad wide receiving. They might have one of the worst receiving cores in the NFL. We'll see. And if they don't add another threat this year, that could be a huge problem for Tyrod Taylor. Because we saw last season, they couldn't get a lot going on offense outside of LaShawn McCoy. They were one of the mm-hmm. most run-heavy teams in the NFL last season. Obviously, when, Which you is fine. Great, when you have a great running back and a great offensive line, that's what you do. But... As we've seen before, one-dimensional teams like that generally struggle, especially when you get behind in games. So this is a team that, and they've lost their best cornerback too. They did not. They well, as we I know, think it was time Gilmore, for them to move on from Gilmore, though. Very, very clearly, very, very true. Gilmore w- was pretty good for them over the course it, of his it career. It didn't work. He needed. They to bring the in scenery. Micah Hyde, who I think is a serv- yes. serviceable. I love Micah Hyde. Not as good as Gilmore. I think he's scrappy, um, but he comes in and fills. But still, they've got a. Pr- their secondary is the weakest part of their defense. That's fair. And so I could see them. Possible, possibly getting down frequently in games and then not having enough I just stuff think, to come back. I just think that they easily made the best coaching hire of the offseason. Coaching hires, I yes. think Sean McDermott was a great choice for them. Um, obviously, the Rams get – I like Sean McVay with the Rams. I thought that was a good decision. He's still super young. We'll see how that goes. Um, what was the other one? Uh, the 49ers, obviously, Kyle Shanahan is really good. Yeah. Not – we'll see. And then I personally wasn't a huge fan – of the Bills bringing in Anthony Lynn. Um, I think Anthony Lynn is good. But if you're the Chargers and you're looking for a coach to kind of define your move to Los Angeles, I just don't think Anthony Lynn is the way you want to like to go there. Guy's never been a head coach before in the NFL. It's not like he did a great job with the Bills. Like It's not like their offense was something special out of nowhere. Like They ran the ball well because they, they had a couple of good guards on the inside and LaShawn McCoy. So... We'll see about the Bills. I disagree. I think the Dolphins are going to be bad next year. Um, I think the Dolphins are going to be are quietly going to be really, really bad. Really, their offensive line is terrible. Their offensive line next year is going to be one of the worst in all of football. And if Ryan Tannehill doesn't make the next step next year, because their whole team completely shut down the like the last five games of last year, they crashed and burned. So. We'll see what happens with the Dolphins. I think the Bills are going to be better than them next year, though. I don't know. I really did like the Dolphins, the way they kind of put things together at the end of last season. But the same thing happened to them that happened to the Jets the year before. We saw how the Jets responded Well, the issue with the Dolphins is they didn't have... They they would have been a much better team had does Ryan Tannehill not go down with an injury. Because, I mean, while I don't think Tannehill is that good of a quarterback... He did a really good job for that team, and they played really well with him. I mean, obviously, they go on like a six-game win streak in the middle of the year. Then they go on a three-game win streak to clinch the playoffs, including which was one of my favorite plays of the entire season is Jay Ajayi's um, rush in the fourth quarter against the Bills to set up the, no, win, that was the, the game-winning field goal, which clinches a playoff berth for the, the Dolphins. Um and I think they're a team. They've got an amazing wide receiving core. They have a decent wide not, receiving core. They did core. not lose I or think gain wide, anybody in I the think they're wide. I think their wide receiving core is very overrated. I love Jarvis Landry. I think Kenny Stills is bad. I think he's a good deep threat. I think he's super overrated. Like, they're, they're, Who would you rather have, Kenny Stills or Torrey Smith? Kenny Stills. Really? I don't think Torrey Smith is that I'd good. I'd much rather have Torrey Smith. We're going to have to agree to disagree on that Fair. one. All right, but with, with, with agreeing to disagree, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the teams that have disappointed us the most so far in the NFL offseason. So stay tuned for that one. 
Hey guys, it's time to talk to you about the boatload of money you can make this week betting at mybookie.ag. If you haven't checked them out, this is the perfect time to get into action because the madness of March is here. Lay down some money and score big on college hoops. Join me and thousands of online players and start betting at mybookie.ag. Are you sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout? Come join MyBookie today. I would only recommend a service that's been so good to me and my listeners. That's why I urge you to make your way to MyBookie. You win. They pay fast without any hassles. You're wasting your time betting anywhere else. They even have in-game live betting so you can place a bet after tip-off. That's right. If you join with $100, you'll get an extra $50 bankroll to play with with their new feature of with their matching your first deposit with a 50 percent bonus use my promo code pats50 to activate the offer visit my bookie today or call 844-900-BETS play win and get paid all right welcome back to the patriots beat podcast we discussed before who the most enticing teams of the offseason are by the way did we both did intentionally leave out the patriots because yeah of course obviously the patriots bringing in dwayne allen brandon cooks um, bringing back Dante Hightower, re-signing Deron Harmon, yeah. all of these things. Harris and I, I think, agreed that we both would have selected our own teams as the teams that yeah, most likely because I think the Giants and the Patriots have both made yeah probably been the two boldest teams in free agency. Definitely been the boldest, made but the biggest moves. But definitely made the bold moves though. However, were also quite good. Yes, both teams making so we'll good, see. spending a lot again, spending a lot of money, spending making making money. a lot of moves, and they're all good ones. Spending so we're gonna goo money. We'll just set that as you yes. understand. We all understand that both of those teams. I've been doing the right things. Um, but so now we're going to move on from now that. Now we move on. Talk about some teams that we think are doing the wrong things, uh, which this season there have been a number of already, a couple of which have come from the same division. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there are teams that have lost a lot of players. We see the Texans getting a little bit worse, losing their best cornerback. Uh, I mean, being being able to get the Osweiler co- contract off their books is great. That's huge. That's huge for the team. Uh, it happened a little too late to the point where they couldn't free up that money to sign guys. So a little bit of a loss well, they for need that to team right they there. need they need a quarterback. <laughs> they yeah, just don't Tom have one. Going to do it. Tom Savage is bad. Tom Savage is bad. Tom Savage is bad. Tom Savage was bad in college. Like. I don't, I don't know where people all of a sudden got this idea that Tom Savage was going to be a good quarterback yeah. in football. It was weird. Like, two weeks before the draft, this weird humming started to start about Tom Savage out of Pittsburgh. Everyone was just kind of like, but he sucks. Yeah. So, I don't really know. Another team that I think got a lot worse? The Packers. Interesting. The Packers, the Packers lose their best offensive lineman. Free agents anyways. TJ Lang. Eddie Lacy leaves. Jared Cook leaves. Not to say that those last two guys were big parts of the team, but they were still te- guys that could obviously True. could have contributed. I think losing Micah Hyde, honestly, yeah, is Micah a Micah Hyde, loss. because their cornerback depth was already was so thin. Demarius mm-hmm. Randall was the number one corner last He's season been, as no, a rookie, and well, wasn't that They had good. Ladarius Gunter, who was covering Julio Jones in the NFC Championship game, which was probably the stupidest coaching decision we saw in all of NFL, sure. in the entire NFL. They lose reserve backup center J.C. Uh, Trekker? Treader. Treader. J.C. Treader. Because they have that good um, center. I forget what his they name They bring is. back Lindley? Perry. Lindley? Something? Lindley. Because Treader was the starter and right. he got hurt and they brought him in. Yeah. He was really good. Um, but so they lose depth. Uh, they didn't. They haven't made a lot of really good moves to bring in anybody new. No. Another team that just hasn't really, especially coming off of last season where they had a disappointing finish, uh, that crushing loss to the Falcons in the NFC Championship game. Got wrecked. Not a team that 
was in the position to get him to, that should have gotten much worse uh, and did get a little bit worse. So it was ironically kind of like the Julio Jones breakout party, even though Julio Jones didn't need a breakout party. They do bring in Martellus Bennett. That's yes, uh, they do bring that, in Martellus Bennett. Good for them. Good. It's an upgrade over Cook. Good job. <laughs> um, but they didn't. I think they are. They're still at a net loss this offseason. So my most disappointing team this offseason has to be we. Jack and I've been talking about this all week. Um, the most disappointing team this offseason has to probably be the Cowboys. Yeah. You know, Cowboys go 13-3 last year. Ezekiel Elliott's nuts. Dak Prescott's insane and is going to be insane. They look like they have the beginnings of a real dynasty. Yeah, of a what really could be a good dynasty, team. A young but, core. But then the fact of the NFL hit and they're like, oh, wait, we have no cap room. No money. So here's who has left the Cowboys this offseason. Ready? Morris Claiborne, starter. starting cornerback. Barry Church, starting starter. safety. Ronald Leary, starting guard. J.J. Wilcox, other starting safety. And then Brandon Carr, their other starting corner. Rolanda McLean is still a free agent. Their starting uh, outside linebacker. So we'll see what ends up happening with the Cowboys. As of right now, clearly kind of sad how much they've let their team deteriorate. They need to do a lot of work in the draft in order for them to reclaim their glory from yeah, last year. But the Giants have made so many moves this offseason that, like, if you're the Cowboys, you have to... Like, why? This is already a team that beat you twice in the regular season yeah. last year and really knocked on the door and towards the end of the season made a lot of people go, hey, you know, they're not that much worse than the Cowboys. <laughs> they and got beat by the The Eagles. Giants haven't... Lo- I mean, that's true. <laughs> Both of those Eagles games were complete, complete crap fest. Um, and then, obviously, they benched... They don't play most of their starters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But... Again, this is a team that has the Cowboys figured out, that the Cowboys should have been saying, well, we're going to have to compete for the division title with this Giants team that did not lose anybody, brought in more players, and is going to draft better players, obviously has another full season of these guys under their belt. They should have been saying, well, as the teams in our division, all three of which, well, except for the Redskins, at least the two biggest threats to the division title right now, or the you know the supremacy being the Eagles and the Giants, they both brought in better wide receivers, improved their offenses, and what do the Cowboys do? Their defense got significantly worse. Yeah. They go out and they lose three of their starters on defense, and last year their defense wasn't one of their strengths. It played pretty well. Their secondary was, for some reason, graded as the number one secondary in the NFL, which I thought was very wrong. It, I thought... But I, they played cohesively as a unit. That's what was it important. was. They played really well as a unit. The individual players might have been kind of poor, but Barry Church was a monster. Yeah. Morris Claiborne finally figured out how to move his hips left. Uh, Brandon Card is just really good with the safety over the top, and JJ Wilcox, JJ Wilcox, excuse me, has silently been one of the most solid safeties in football. Yeah, since and those guys the then all go out and find bigger paydays somewhere yeah. else. So what that says to me is that the Cowboys are in the, their defense is very much in limbo right now. Where yes. people are the only constant on that team is Sean Lee. Which Sean he, Lee, okay. He is the Sean, gravitational center of that Sean team. Sean Lee has not been a consistent force in the NFL. No, he has not. Ever. He, that last year, I'm pretty... That correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that last year was the first year that Sean Lee was healthy. He's definitely, he definitely did not suffer as many injury problems last season as he no. has in the past. So, so hold on, Jack. We're going to transition a little bit and do and move into a little Patriots stuff because we're going to bring in Chad Finn in a little bit. But before we bring him on... We've been talking about this Malcolm Butler situation yes. for weeks now. Um, whether it's been, you know, whether he's going to get re-signed, whether he deserves Stephon Gilmore money, whether now he's going to get traded to the Saints. Apparently now they're talking contracts with him. Uh, I believe that we've heard a couple things come out today. I'm just going to quickly 
look those up. But we, but this has been a pretty fluid situation so far. Yeah, we, so here's what Ian Rappaport um, had released today, that things are progressing between New Orleans and Butler, but the Patriots have had no talks with the Saints or Butler. They won't until he signs his tender, so they may just they may just say sign the offer sheet and let's see but they also tweeted out that the choice for the Patriots was Butler signs an RFA offer sheet and they match or don't and get a one or there is no offer sheet and he plays for 3.9 million dollars I believe what's going to end up happening the Saints are going to sign him to a full-time offer sheet going to offer it to him and the Patriots will let him go for the 13th overall pick so the Patriots will have ended up basically trading 32 and Malcolm Butler, 32 Malcolm Butler and their third round pick for number 13, Brandon Cooks, and their fourth round pick. Now, I don't really know who wins that trade. I, you know, that's what I think the beauty is. It's perfectly even, it's in a, my it's opinion. It's about as good of a trade as yeah. you can make for both teams because that's obviously pretty even. we know the Saints not in a position where they have the, the worst Saints, secondary in football. Yeah. <laughs> And what do the Saints generally have a surplus of? Good wide receivers. Yes. And we know, again, that they've every year they're going to have guys. They've got Drew Brees. He can throw the ball to anybody. He's like Tom Brady. You give him a wide receiver, he'll throw the ball. And what that does, they get to bring in now a top 10 cornerback in the NFL. Oh, yeah, least, for sure. Malcolm Butler uh, on a, a very, very team-friendly deal. Oh, well, who we'll then see. does his one, hopefully, yeah. if he signs the offer sheet for $3.9 million. Uh, who then comes in and then plays one year, and then they can either re-up big time and give him the money he wants to be paid next season if he has a good year, or he can have a good year and leave in free agency and go right. sign his money somewhere else. I, I and then s- the Patriots get Kenny Stills. They get a serious fast Brandon deep threat. Oh, Brandon Cooks. Sorry. We were talking Way about better Kenny than Kenny before. Stills. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but they get another serious, <laughs> legitimate deep threat that, that gives Tom Brady and that Patriots offense a whole new dynamic and a whole other element you have to focus on as a defensive mm-hmm. coordinator. So I think, obviously, the swap of picks, too. Patriots get a high first-round draft. Pick. That's awesome. That's Definitely insane. what Butler is worth. Uh, the Saints get a couple of draft picks in return. They get a late. They, they don't lose a first round pick. They stay in the first round and they get to move up in the draft to the in the third round. So I think it's that's about as close as you can get. I mean, I'm thinking in terms of baseball, yeah. it's like Cespedes for Michael Fulmer, both <laughs> great players. It's just the Patriots moving up. 20 picks. Hey, that's definitely huge. That's about what a and Butler. getting Brandon Cooks. But since you signed Stephon Gilmore, losing Butler isn't I mean, that big I of a I think Butler loss. is a lot yes. better than Stephon Gilmore. But however, Gilmore, we, but. We don't, we're not going to be able to know how much better Butler is until we see Gilmore in the Patriots system. For all we know, Gilmore could go to the Patriots defense and be the best corner in football. We have no idea. True, he could true. also go there and struggle and be the, and and be the worst. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, another question I have for you, Jack. Go for it. Do you think the Patriots have handled the situation well and do you think this is fair to Malcolm Butler? That's really tough to say. Obviously, Malcolm Butler doesn't seem to have done them any favors with being extra negotiable. Uh, I think this is one of those situations, and obviously in the NFL, more than any other sport really, the contract holdouts tend to be extensive. Mm-hmm. There tends to be a lot more tr- difficulty getting deals done, uh, especially when there's rumors surrounding a player wanting to be traded. Now, Malcolm Butler obviously has only played for the Patriots. Uh, he comes off of a Super Bowl victory with them playing a major part in their defense. Uh, this is a guy that now has the ring, if that, I mean, two rings. If he was, if that's what he was looking for, was a legacy to build. And they probably multiple super, championships. Brought, they maybe should have gotten more votes for Super Bowl MVP. Well, they sure, weren't sure. good. Not besides to Brady. But this but. is somebody that now has the legacy part of his 
you career. know, com- career re- requirement film. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if you're a guy like Malcolm, Malcolm Butler, now is the time where you're free to start thinking a little more about financial security. And obviously, he knows he's ranked among the best cornerbacks in the NFL. He can go out and demand the kind of money that a guy like Stephon Gilmore gets paid in and should be able to make that much money in an open market. So, obviously, as a restricted free agent, he kind of has less ability to negotiate openly uh, and demand that kind of contract right now. So, I think on in his camp's position, the smartest decision is to understand the fact that he's most likely going to get traded. Yes. And he should have started working now to develop, and this is, could be something that's going on behind the scenes, but to develop, to develop an attack strategy now to say, all right, well, I'm going to get moved. How much money can I get out of the Patriots slash Saints to the point where I'm making enough this season to justify my ability to play, and then so I can translate that into a mega deal next season. I believe he's gonna. I think he's gonna go to the Saints. I think he's gonna go to the Saints. But I think he's gonna get a really big offer sheet this year. I think here that you, you think that he goes and signs that mega deal right now. Yes, I think the team a contract that is very similar to the one that Malcolm Butler is gonna get. You'll find you'll like this. Josh J- Norman. J- Josh Norman. Yes. Go look at the deal that Josh Norman got at the age of 28 years old. Because he's, I think, going on 29 right now. Malcolm Butler is in Five a, years, 75 million. Five years, 75 million. How much guaranteed? Because guaranteed is all that matters. Oh, uh, 50 million guaranteed. 50 million guaranteed. A little bit high. Um, Norm, yeah, Norman so, got overpaid. So Everybody's here. kind so of great on that. Cut but. that down to three years. So I say three years, I'd go... $45 million, so it's about $15 million a year for him with 30 mil guaranteed. I think he gets 455. 455. 35 guaranteed. 35 guaranteed. Because with there's no question in my mind that he's leaving. I think he's gone. Yeah, it's a no, shame. He, it doesn't seem like the Patriots really they know that they can get something good back. They know that they can develop. And they already signed their guy. Yeah. Like they and, already signed their guy. And that guy. just says to me that Butler is is taking offense to that. He says, you know, and I, I think, think he, he assumed that right they might to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's both this. I think the Patriots treated Malcolm Butler pretty poorly. Yes. However, they did not handle the They, they have well. not done anything illegal nope. by the rule books. They say sign your tender and we'll talk. But he hasn't signed his tender. Um, they can't trade him until he signs his tender. They, he can't sign an offer sheet until he signs his tender. So he's just floating right now. Yeah, so I, mean, I think he's just trying to make this but more if you're difficult Malcolm than it needs to be. Camp, like, I don't understand why you haven't signed the tender. You don't there there's no leverage here to gain or lose. You already have no leverage at all. You're a restricted free agent. You can't do anything until you sign the tender. I think he's tender. trying to make the Patriots cuz remember the Patriots still if they want the draft pick, they have to be able to trade him. Correct, but they, but it's so the he, he's made just, it clear he's they just don't care either them, way. He's yeah, he's making them sweat on eh. It's like cuz as it gets longer and longer then it becomes more of a like, all right, well as the draft approaches, like we have to make a decision on whether or not. Because if he holds out past the draft, then the Patriots lose out on getting that pick. True, right? And he can just hang on to that and say, "I'm not. I'm going to wait until the, later in this offseason and sign my contract, unless you guys offer me more money." I'm not actually totally familiar with what the rules look like when it comes to what happens if they don't sign the tender until the draft. I'm not actually 100 percent sure. That actually be something interesting. If yeah, you, you can look that up. But it's just it, it was very strange to me where it wasn't the Patriots didn't even blink. As soon as free agency started, they handed that contract to Gilmore. Like, not – they didn't wait. That was the first or second day of free agency that they did that. So they were talking to Malcolm Butler. He threw a contract at them that they wanted. They are like, no, you have to sign your tender. And then went and signed Gilmore for the amount of money that Malcolm Butler probably wanted. Yeah. So 
that kind that part is kind of crappy to me. That this guy has helped you win two Super Bowls. He caught the game-winning interception at one of them. And then he finally wants to get paid and you go pay someone else who plays his exact position? That's kind of cutthroat. I think that's a little cutthroat. However, very stereotypical of what we see for the Patriots. Yeah. Another one of those where they let a really talented player go. They know that they don't want to have to pay them a lot of money. They know that they can develop the fact that they can develop another. They'd rather let him go a year too early rather than a year too late. And, that, that, you know, this is this is the perfect example of that. Gilmore is 26 years old. Malcolm Butler is going on his age 29 season. Yeah, people forget how old Butler is because he really Butler, didn't break yeah. onto the scene until two 26. years ago. So now he's going on to his age 29 season. What do I always tell you? What's the half-life for quarterbacks? 31. 31 years old. Is that That's why I think he gets, a, he gets a four-year deal. Half-life Somebody, somebody pays him for years. two years of the, ne- of the downside of his career. So Josh Norman, we've already seen it, deteriorated this past season. His first year with the Redskins. This, was, was, this very, was his first year. With was, I thought it was his yeah, second year no, with the Redskins. This was his first year with the team. Really? I thought this was his second year. I thought this was. I thought he just had his second year. Oh, you know what? You're right. You're right. Because he went to the. uh, He went went to Super Bowl with. No, no, it was the first year with the Redskins. Really? I was no, because I knew this was the first time the Giants had the Redskins, the Norman versus Odell on the Redskins deal. I thought he had one really good. 2015. He no, because he's he was been he's been I almost swore (laughs) he's been crap for the Redskins that entire season. The guy. Definitely got overpaid. Was, oh, for over, sure. was overrated. Was a product, and I, I mean, I have very strong feelings on Josh Norman as a <laughs> as a player. But I thought that he was overrated on the Panthers because this, the, the defensive system they played and the strength of the team around him kind of allowed him to heighten his game and yeah. play with a lot of free, pressure free. Yeah, um, which is like what Janoris Jenkins is doing on the Giants. Yeah, I think he's a little bit better because of which the is system. what they're hoping Gilmore is going to be on the exactly. Patriots. What? Hello, look it, what we found. You, you get you give a player a really good defensive system. You give them a lot of the ability, they don't feel like they have to do all the work themselves. They know the other guys will back them up, and they play a little stronger. Josh Norman goes to the Redskins. He's immediately, and we same with Namdi Asamoah on the Eagles. Yes. The guy is immediately expected to take over as the shutdown corner and be the best player on the defense, and they just, their their style relies a little bit more on having a good supporting cast to I, give them the freedom to, to stick with their man and not fair, make as many big plays. I, and I think Norman, got you can see, gets frustrated throughout mm-hmm. the season, and now they're stuck with this monstrous Albert Hainsworth style contract of $75 million, $50 million of which is guaranteed over the next four seasons, uh, and he's going to sit there and just cause headaches. I think it's fair to say, and before we uh, let you go here, Jack, I think it's fair to say that when teams sign these corners to big deal, big deals, you have a 50, it is completely 50-50. For instance, it's like with A.J. Boye that went to the Jaguars. There's a 50% chance he goes to Jacksonville and is just absolute trash. Yeah. Which, if you ask this guy, I think is going to happen. Oh, he had, really? He had one good season. He had one good year and was pretty good the other years. I don't know. You, it's, I, I think the Jacksonville defense breeds really well for cornerbacks. We'll see. I think because I think because Prince of Mukamara and Jalen Ramsey had pretty Jalen Ramsey had, Jalen, had a great is, second if half. If you ask that me, season. I think Jalen Ramsey's better than AJ Boy. No, me honestly, I think he has the potential to be. If that's what's great about it is AJ Boy doesn't have to come in and be the lockdown guy. Jalen Ramsey that is he going to be like Patrick Peters. He now. comes in and he gets to play with Barry Church, Tashawn Gibson, 
and Jalen Ramsey. A.J. Blee just slides nicely, and as he gets to be the number two cornerback yeah. and the number one cornerback, they'll do a really nice rotation where both guys will get the chance to be in the number one wide receiver, and he just gets to play the same style of football he was playing on the Texans with less pressure. I think that's a really but, conducive environment so, for him to succeed. So you have the big corners you have that just got signed in the big deals. You have Josh Norman. You have Stephon Gilmore. You have A.J. Boye. Janoris you Jenkins, have Janoris Jenkins. As an example of one that paid yeah, off. So, so you have... Two guys. You have one guy there that Ray worked. Kirkpatrick just signs a big deal with, with the Bengals. Without, he re- re-signs. That was different. True, but, for true. instance, so we have one that worked, one that didn't work, and now we have two coming up. If you look if at you another ask one, me, Darrell Revis, too, signs a two-year deal, but true, for a lot true. of money that ends up not paying. If you ask me, I think one of these deals that are coming up between Boy and Gilmore is going to work. One of them is going to work, and one of them isn't. And if I had to put money on which one is probably going to work, I'd put money on the Gilmore trade, simply because of the team he is on. You, The Patriots, only one time... Have the Patriots ever made a free agent signing that just did not work? And that was a Dallas Thomas. Yeah. That was the only time it's ever happened. I don't see this being as bad as a Dallas Thomas, but I don't think Stephon Gilmore develops into like an an outstanding quarterback. I think he develops into a top 10 quarterback. I think he plays well. I think he plays better than he played with the Bills, but I don't think he becomes a lockdown guy. I don't think he has that in him. I think he's worse than Janoris Jenkins. However, I think he's going to be very good. I think... Boye has a worse season than this season. Yes. He was one of the best corners. I think Gilmore's going to be better than Boye this year. I think they'll be the same. Okay, I think I fair. think Boye will get they'll worse, but, it, but it won't be a bad deal. I think he will be very, very good for the Jaguars, who will have a very, very good secondary. Uh, and I think um, Gilmore will have a good year, an above-average year for the Patriots, and they will have an above-average secondary. I, like I think he comes into a system as well that is an environment where he can succeed. Fair enough. So. Jack Ross? Thank you for coming on. Thank you for Appreciate having me. It, buddy. I love talking football. Handshake as always. And uh, we're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, here comes Chad Finn of the Boston Globe. Big time. We'll also get his opinions on this whole Malcolm Butler debacle and what he thinks this Stephon Gilmore deal means for the rest of Patriots free agency from here on out. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for hey, coming on. Thank we'll be you. right back. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, so it's important to know where your food comes from. I know that me personally, when I was living in a college dorm, I used Blue Apron in order to get my fresh ingredients so that me and my roommate Jack could cook up some nice meals, maybe some fresh steaks, maybe some good chili, some quality stuff. And it's also a very fun holiday gift, so maybe for a nice Valentine's Day gift or a nice birthday gift coming up, I would give it to, I wouldn't give it to a girlfriend, obviously Blue Apron would be a little rough, but give it to a family member, maybe they can get some high quality ingredients in their life. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, so they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers, whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. So check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals free with free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash patriots. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash patriots. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. 
Welcome back into the Patriots Beat Podcast. It's now time for our featured guest segment. This week, we we have quite a guest for us this week. This week, we are joined by Chad Finn of the Boston Globe, their sports media columnist, and also a Boston sports aficionado. Chad, thank you so much for joining us this week. We're uh, happy to have you on. You bet, Eric. Glad to be on. Very much so. So, We've had a pretty crazy Patriots offseason so far. One of the biggest contracts in franchise history given out. Multiple players uh, bringing back, a couple of them obviously leaving, such as Logan Ryan. But one of them has been probably the biggest topic of the offseason, and that has been Malcolm Butler. This whole situation has been kind of a crap show for just about everyone involved, including Malcolm Butler himself. What are your impressions to this whole situation? Do you like how the Patriots are handling this? Do you think it's a little insulting? What do you think of it? Um, it's their right. I mean, they have the leverage on him, and he's under that contract. Uh, well, he would be if he signed over the first-round tender. He's a restricted free agent for, what, $3.91 million, I think, next season. So it's unfortunate that's a, that's the uh, for him that, that that's the way the CBA works. Uh, he's certainly outperformed the contract he has. Um, but he does just he he doesn't have the leverage, and so uh, they've kind of come to this strange point where a player who has done everything uh, that you the Patriots way to to to, to put it in the terms that uh, uh, I, I think you would use to describe a guy who is reliable on the field and uh, uh, seems to do everything right and and makes big plays and you need big plays to be made and. All those pauses that we associate with this franchise, he, he he's kind of that quintessential guy. And to see him be in this situation where it looks like they're going to trade him, kind of get the sense they're, they're going to work out a deal with the Saints at some point here, um, it's it's odd and it doesn't make a lot of sense because you'd think with the, uh, being able to keep him around for uh, on that restricted deal uh, is a great deal for them. And uh, eventually he will get his money. Uh, and you'd, you'd like to see that be the Patriots. He's uh been just such a terrific player here and such a great story and he's he's made plays that are going to be a permanent part of their history and uh, it's kind of a bummer that it looks like after just three years here that he might be moving on elsewhere just because of uh, some silly contract situation or maybe some circumstances that we really don't know about it it doesn't make a lot of sense on the surface as someone who's covered the team for uh, a pretty long time now or just been in boston sports media have they handled other players like this? Is this their classic one year early besides one year too late? Is is that kind of what we're feeling here? Um, he's so young, though, still. You know, he's a little bit older than, uh, I think he's, what, 25 now? He's going to be 25 next season. He's a little older than uh, probably people perceive because or he might be 26, actually. I have to look that up. But uh, because he kind of came out of nowhere and uh, bounced around a little bit in college before he settled down West Alabama, um, he, he's not a kid, but uh, he's a guy who should be entering if he's not already in the prime of his career. Uh, his performance level has been terrific. Uh, I don't think anybody has any complaints about that, and it's one of the most difficult positions uh, to play in football, probably second to quarterback. So um, I, he's a guy you want, and uh, it, it's not like a case of uh, dealing Richard Seymour because his contract's coming up and you're not going to pay both him and Vince Wilfork or uh, dealing Logan Mankins, who 
uh, had held out uh, and uh, was still considered a cornerstone of their offensive line, but I think they recognized that maybe he was slipping a little bit before any of us did. Uh, this isn't a case like that. This is a guy who uh, is still young and uh, presumably still getting better as a player. So, uh, again, it, I guess it just adds to the pile of surprising things here about this whole situation that kind of leaves you scratching your head. Do you think the money that they gave to Gilmore, which, I, I mean, $40 million guaranteed to give to a corner who I would consider to be a, a disappointment after where he got drafted, do you, th- do you think that was the money that they were expecting to give to Malcolm Butler? Because, you know, uh, I looked it up, Malcolm Butler currently sitting at 27 years old, almost 28. I mean, I just can't see them giving $40 million guaranteed to Malcolm Butler, which is why it was so strange they gave it to Gilmore. Why do you think they went with Gilmore over Butler here? Uh, I think the, he's a little bit bigger. Um, probably, you know, Malcolm's not a burner. Uh, and he's undersized, but uh, he, he's got a lot of fight. You know, he, he'll take on any challenge, and he wins uh, more than his share of the challenges. Gilmore is just more of a, a prototypical guy where you look at him and say, that's a first-round pick. That guy is big, and he can run, and he plays physical, and uh, does all those things. You know, Malcolm's a terrific player in his own right, a Pro Bowl caliber player, but uh, in the measurables, I don't think he quite uh, matches up to Gilmore. Um the, the money there was uh, shocking because you, you expect that if they're going to give a $40 million guarantee to somebody, you'd think it would be somebody who's already in their system, who they already have that familiarity with where they really know how he works. They know how he handles it on days after a frustrating performance and how he interacts with his teammates and all those things. You can't really find out about a guy uh, who, who's been in another program until you bring him in. So to me, that was kind of surprising, but there, I don't think there was ever any intention of giving that kind of money to Butler because if they offered it now and they weren't going to do it with him being a restricted free agent, but had they, um, he would have taken that. I mean, 40 million bucks is 40 million bucks up front. Uh, he would have taken that deal. I, I seriously doubt they will come close. Presuming he's here, the, the same thing falls through. He plays in the restricted uh, one-year tender this year, and the, they actually talk about a long-term deal after the season. Uh, they won't come close to that kind of offer for him. So I, I think it's just uh, uh, looking at uh, Gilmore as uh, an elite caliber player and maybe not looking at Malcolm in the same way. So let's say they do end up trading Malcolm Butler to the Saints, and let's say with, he signs the tender and they do end up getting the 13th pick. If you kind of combine the two trades together, you get the Saints sending Malcolm Butler, or excuse me, you get the Saints sending Brandon Cooks, number 13, and their fourth-round pick for number 32, Malcolm Butler, and the Patriots' third-round pick. That is a pretty fair deal to me if we're talking about NFL trade markets, which no one seems to use besides Bill Belichick. And that kind of brings me to my next topic. Why don't anyone else use the NFL trade market like Belichick does? Is it just not popular? Is it just not known how to use it? Why does no one else make trades like the Patriots do? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the NFL is not really known for its trades. The trading deadline always seems to come and go without much happening. It's not like Major League Baseball or the NBA in that regard, but uh, I think he's just always, he's got this long list of things that he would do, and it's not just plan A, it's plan A, plan B, plan C. If this happens, then we might do this. If this player becomes available, maybe we move on from this guy. 
what's the price on him compared to the price on this guy? And so uh, it's not just Belichick. It's a scout's Nick Casario. It's uh, all the talent that they have in that front office who uh, is constantly looking at other rosters and uh, evaluating other players uh, outside of their organization and, and looking at them uh, and seeing how uh, how they fit in with what the Patriots do. And that's what they do better than anybody. You may look at Look at uh, the little deals they made this year. Bringing in Van Noy, who was a, considered a bust with the Lions, a second-round pick, but uh, there was something there that they saw with him that they thought could help, and lo and behold, he did help them. Uh, um, you know, Eric Rowe, second-round pick with the Eagles, uh, considered a bust there, came in and, and had a pretty good Super Bowl, a guy who helped them at various points, but again, a very difficult position over the years. So they're always identifying outside talent that they might think fits into their program, and uh uh, because they're doing that, I think that opens it up for Belichick to to uh, be able to pounce when a, a player that they like becomes available. They they have all the information they're looking for already uh, on uh, on talent that they like. Now, I'd be silly to bring in the columnist for Boston Sports Media, The Globe, without asking you about how the media has covered this whole Jimmy Garoppolo thing over the past year. Because Adam Schefter has gotten to the point of basically betting his whole career on the Patriots not trading Jimmy Garoppolo. However, the rest of the Boston media, there's always been this weird thing where it may be Jeff Howe has good sources, Mike Reese does as well. But the Patriots usually outsource a lot of the information they get to the national people outs instead of just the Boston media people. Is there a reason for this? Is there a reason that the national guys keep getting all these big, uh, big stories and not the local people? Yeah. I mean, they trade information. Uh, it's the, there was a great profile of chef here in the Washington post, uh, maybe a year or two ago about how, uh, a guy named, uh, Rick Mace, uh, wrote it who who sort of spent a couple days with him and saw how he worked his, three phones or how many ever he has and uh he basically gossips uh, and it's uh it's currency he'll talk to a gm and say uh yeah this is what i hear the dolphins are doing what do you got going on is uh, there any truth to this and uh so he he's a terrific shefter in particular rapaport too guys like that uh shefter's a terrific reporter and you you look at how he's uh, double down on the Garoppolo thing. Well, go find me an example where he was wrong. I, that's the interesting thing is he, he he's uh, he's plugged into the upper levels of management with a lot of different franchises. This is not the third string long snapper that's telling him this stuff. It's uh, the owner of the team, the general manager of the team, uh, uh, team president, people like that. And so he's getting it really firsthand information. And uh, not only that, he doesn't just throw everything out there. So I think you need to give him credit in that regard. Uh, for the information that he gets, the information that he shares with them and with agents, uh, he's very accurate. But uh, logically looking at this, you also have to look at Garoppolo and say, if they get the offer they want, they would trade him. Uh, uh, I don't think anybody's ever been untouchable for Bill Belichick. Maybe Tom Brady, but we may get, in, get here in a couple of years to the point where he's not. Uh, but if they got offered, uh, say, Cleveland or the Bears or whoever it happened to be, um, made them an offer that they felt like that is much more value than Jimmy Garoppolo's worth. They would pull the trigger on that. Uh, I think there's a caveat with what Schefter is saying right now, and he's he's uh, he's not including the caveat, which is no, they're not going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. 
unless a deal comes out of nowhere that is just too good to resist. And so the, I don't think they have any intention on trading him, but they haven't gotten the offer they're looking for either. So last question before we uh, let you go here, Chad. The the Patriots have obviously made a ton of moves this offseason, whether it was Dwayne Allen, whether it was, uh, excuse me, whether it was obviously Stephon Gilmore, obviously bringing back Dante Hightower, or even letting someone like Logan Ryan go for, for what was a pretty – I guess I would say it's a little under market value for what I thought Logan Ryan was going to get. What was your favorite deal that the Patriots made this offseason? Wow, that's a good one. Uh, I like the Cooks deal a lot. I, I, I'm curious how he's going to fit in because there's always there's always some worry that the guy won't be on the same page with Brady. Uh, it's just such a difficult system to learn. He had issues with that with the Saints where he maybe wasn't at uh, points where the coach and where Drew Brees, uh, where Peyton and Drew Brees wanted him to be. Um, so that's something to watch. But talent-wise, he's off the charts. And uh, you know, Chris Hogan led the league in yards uh, per catch this year. He's a good deep threat. They've got great intermediate guys. But uh, Cooks is somebody who can run the entire route tree, and they're going to use him really creatively. It's going to be fun to see how that works. Uh, in terms of the deal that made me the happiest, in terms of someone who enjoys watching this team and like seeing players who have built their careers here get rewarded, that would be high power. I was I was really glad he came back just as I was when uh, Devin McCourty did the same sort of thing a couple of years ago, got a couple of looks in the free agency tampering period and then decided to stay, had a great offer from the Titans and didn't go. Uh, high power is a class act, the kind of guy you want to you wanna build around. It, uh, it's very bright, very versatile, does all those, again, Patriots way kind of things. So it was cool to see him come back, and it was on a reasonable contract too, which is good. Very nice. Chad Finn, the Boston Globe sports media columnist. Thank you so much for joining us. It's, uh, it's always nice to talk to you. Yeah, bye, man. Good talking. Have a good one. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of CLNS Radio, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Radio New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice, and live on CLNSRadio.com immediately after every single Pats game. Call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the play of the game, and everything else that is going on with the four-time Super Bowl champions. Subscribe to the CLNS Radio New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher and the best way. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere. that's going to do it for this week's Patriots Beat Podcast. Thank you so much to Jad Finn again for coming on. Obviously he is the sports media columnist for the Boston Globe. I want to thank my buddy Jack Ross as well for helping me break down the entirety of the NFL offseason and giving his opinions on the Malcolm Butler situation. Thanks again to Joshua Morrison High 209 for the music. Thanks to Larry Nick 
and Mike, as always, go find me on Twitter at CLNS underscore sports team for all the best Patriots news and updates from the CLNS Patriots team. We'll be back with you guys this upcoming Friday. So have a great week and we'll see you this weekend.